0: We're in Luke 11. We should be in this section one more week. The Lord's Prayer. We'll see how far we get today. Luke chapter 11, verses verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, "Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray." And he said to them, "When you pray, say, Father." Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Lord's Prayer is a strange prayer. You want to see how strange it is? Let's do it. You ready? Don't look at your Bible. Keep up. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Do we do your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, or do we not? Give us, is it this day or each day? Sure. Our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What's next? lead us not into temptation for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen but is that really there I don't know check out Matthew and what does that all mean (laughs) somebody wants to uh, turn to Ephesians where Paul leads the church in the Lord's prayer you won't find it the book of Acts the apostles are gathered and pray the Lord's prayer and not It's a strange prayer, but it is a marvelous prayer. But I think what happens is familiarity breeds complacency, which breeds contempt. We may know the words, but do we understand what they mean and do we understand what we're saying? And if we do, it is a joy. It is God being glorified as we adore God. And we won't get very far because I want to slow down and think about this. Father, hallowed be your name was last week. Your kingdom come. What's that mean? Doesn't God rule and reign already? Isn't God ruling and reigning over all things? So is it just for Jesus to come back? Your kingdom come. We all pray it. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. But what are we praying? It's not talking about God's universal rule. It's talking about God's redemptive rule. Do you know how God's kingdom comes? Matthew 8, Jesus tells us it's past. There are Old Testament saints in the kingdom. Luke 17 tells us it's present. 1721, the kingdom is in your midst. And throughout the Gospels and the Epistles, you'll see that the kingdom has a future element. What we will do there, what it will be like, it's God's redemptive kingdom. So what are we saying when we pray, your kingdom come"? You ever think about that? We pray this a lot, but do we know what we're praying? God's kingdom comes in three primary ways. You want to guess what they are? Don't. Through people coming to faith in Christ. Through regeneration. Through, through the angels rejoicing over a sinner trusting in God. We're praying that, that God's kingdom may expand through the saving of people. Amen? How are people saved? By hearing the gospel. How do people hear the gospel? We preach the gospel. Thy kingdom come in part is a prayer that God would use us to proclaim the gospel. To the ends of the earth. Maybe in our case, the ends of our street so that people would turn to him and be saved. It's not just come back, Jesus. It's may your kingdom expand through the proclamation of your word. Amen? Number two, how does this kingdom expand? Inside of the life of the believer, through what we call it sanctification, as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, as we seek to, to live for the glory of God, his kingdom expands in our very own lives, little by little. Your kingdom comes. So when we pray your kingdom come we're not just praying come on back Jesus. We're praying may your gospel go out. May I proclaim your gospel. May your gospel consume my life. May I find you the treasure of greatest value. And lastly it comes through the return of Christ and we live our lives prepared for the return of Christ and calling others to be prepared for the return of Christ. Father hallowed Be your name. Elohim, creator. El Elyon, most high. Jehovah Roheki, Lord our healer. Jehovah Shalom, Lord our peace. Jehovah Roy, Lord our shepherd. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Lord, Father, God, help us to live lives in light of who you are. Help every moment of my life be submitted to the reality that you are Jehovah Roy, my good shepherd. May I confess that you are the creator of all things, Elohim, and that to you they belong. Lord, your kingdom come. Save people, sanctify people, prepare people for the return of Christ Jesus. Amen? A little different than, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You see what's going on? Matthew adds, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's your biggest nightmare? If you boil it down, it's this. You have no control over anything. God has all control. I don't know about you, but sometimes in the flesh, my life is about, prayed like this. Father, may my name be hallowed. May people respect, appreciate, and admire my name. May my little kingdom expand with the, the, the trip empire. May, may it expand at least into a little bit of Chester County. I'm not going with the whole world, just a little bit of Chester County. Please, God. Nobody else prays that way, right? Is your life this week consumed with the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom as you did his will? or reacting to life as you try to manage your little own fiefdom. Can we just be honest? Because until we can see that, we're not going to marvel at the beauty of the gospel. In the flesh, we manage, we, we, we manage our little fiefdoms. I got this bill to pay. I got this, this pipe to fix. I got this person I got to address. I got this job I have to go to. I got to, got to, got to, got to. These are responsibilities, but careful because why do you do what you do? Is it to hollow the name of God? Or is it to fill up the kingdom of you? You want a fun story? That's a question. You can decline. Because I was contemplating not doing this. You want it or no? Let's take a vote. I'm not even going to have to look. Genesis 22. You know this story? Make sure that didn't pull out. Jacob, wrestling, It's a crazy story. Jacob he's having some trouble in life. Jacob kind of had a, a messy life, made a lot of mistakes. He was wrestling with everybody's whole life, if you stop and think about it. Where I'm not 22, 32. I'm looking here at 22, and I'm in Levit, hold on, hold on. I'm in Leviticus. Where is it? 32, Genesis. Woo, should, maybe we should skip this. Let's keep going. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford at Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as He wrestled him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What did he say to him, church? Your name. This is crazy. And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Hold up. Hold up. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you asked my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen who? Who? Seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him, I love this, as he passed by Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is in the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Jacob wrestled with God. But it says he prevailed. First of all, how are you going to wrestle with God? And why is God having a little trouble with Jacob? Or is he having trouble? In Jacob context, he's terrified of what's going to happen with Esau. His life's falling apart. He's desperate. He's anxious. And God shows up and busts his hip up. You want to know what's going on here? Y'all spend your life wrestling with God, don't you? God, here's what I need you to do, and I'm going to manipulate you to do it. We wrestle with God all day long. But when we come to faith, you know what happens? We prevailed in our wrestling with God. We realized we can't pin God. God pinned us and caused us to be born anew we have wrestled or striven with God and prevailed. now why did he pop his hip because it's in his weakness that he realizes the strength that he has in God manifested most fully in Christ but when we come to faith we do this crazy stuff we say God I'm gonna get that let's take it on the mat we wrestle with God all the time but we forget prevailing and wrestling with God is not pinning God to do our will, but joyfully being pinned by God to do his will and rejoicing. Because notice, his hip was out, but he was blessed. And that ain't the hallmark Christianese blessing. Y'all have a blessed day. That's not what it means. Content in the Lord. He got a new name. You know what happened here? Y'all going to do a little commentary reading, I suspect, if I say this, but so be it. Jacob was born anew. Your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is what? He got a new name. He had been wrestling with God, and he prevailed. So back to Luke 11. Now I messed you all up. I don't care. Your kingdom come. Until we recognize the degree to which our life is bent around. My kingdom come. We will never have the fullness of joy that God desires for us in the gospel. Your kingdom come. Living with a limp. A reminder of our sin in God's grace. Our smallness in God's grandness. Our identity and purpose in Christ. Amen? Now watch this give us each day our daily bread so here's what happened we buttered up God oh father hallowed be your name you are great and majestic and wonderful and mighty and holy blah 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 we hope your kingdom takes over the whole world blah 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 now give me this Take like this rich you're such a nice guy you're such a hard worker, such a good dad. You're, you're just so kind and wonderful. Can I get a free stromboli? <laughs> see what I'm doing there? Karen, thank you so much for, for how thoughtful and compassionate you are and, and how, how you pray for people. And i borrow 50 bucks. You see what's going on here? You throw a truth at somebody to get something out of it. How y'all pray in church? Careful you got to get your Christian manners right. Amen? First of all, that's not at all what's going on. You butter God up. You butter got a problem on your hands. It's all, about, it's all about perspective. It's all about, prayer is not about getting out of God what you want, but communing with God in truth of who he is and who we are in him. Give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean? How many kids have to ask their earthly father, "Can can I have breakfast today, sir, father, provider of the house, trainer of the dogs, complainer? My, no, don't call me that. Might I have a pop tart today to sustain me to lunch? No, thank you, father. What kind of sick prayer is this? What kind of what kind of prayer we asking God for?" God, can I please today have bread? And how do you pray that when you go to Wegmans and pack the whole car, right? Kind of stupid prayer what am my praying. I got a whole pantry full of bread. Mm-mm. Give us each day everything we need because if you do not give us, we will have nothing. The air we breathe, the food we eat, the shelter that we have are all gifts of God through his provision. You don't have them because of your strength, you have them because of God's grace. Do you understand that? Do you know where that bread you bought at Wegmans come from? Do you know how you got to Wegman's? You know that car you drove? How'd you buy that car? Won your money. You know that air you breathe to drive the car? Whose air are you breathing? You know that house you're living in you know that earth you sit on you know those hands you use they're not yours they're god's and the prayer is this this is magnificent father god is the source of all things hallowed be your name god is sacred and holy your kingdom come god is a sovereign master give us this day our daily bread he's a provider for physical life Forgive us our sins. He's a provider of spiritual life. Lead us not into temptation. He sustains us in life. It ain't about you. It's about him. Food is the daily physical sustenance of life. And the question this presents us with is do we delight in living lives of humble dependence on God? Who here is, don't put your hand up, who here is joyfully, humbly dependent upon God in all areas? Why not? Do you want to know the secret? Because you forget who your father is. You forget who you are. How did God become your father? If we've been saved by his death, how much more shall we be being saved by his life? We think God is like, like the Pop-Tart Daddy. Uh, like Oliver. We, we're like Oliver Twist coming to our Heavenly Father. Please, sir, may I have another? Right, you're waiting for God's cosmic hand to crack you on the skull with a spoon. Open your mouth wide that I may fill it, is what he says. Not y'all better beg for another bowl of porridge. Open your mouth wide that I may fill it. We don't understand who our father is, how he became our father, how much God loves us. See, people think Christianity, this would be a midweek thought, hopefully you forget it if it is, about right believing and right behaving. But it's actually about belonging. Belonging leading to right believing and right behaving. Until you get the belonging part, Father. He's saying to us, you are mine. And we get to cry back, I am yours. You're never going to trust God joyfully until you understand who God truly is as your heavenly Father. Hallowed be your name. God is not needing a belly rub. God isn't like, I am having a bad day. The Philistines have irked me. Encourage me with platitudes. Yes, great deity, You are mighty, more, give me more. Do do we really think that's what God is like? Like the Wizard of Oz? Do not look behind the curtain. He's telling us, you need to know who I am. He's graciously commanding us to remember who he is. The God who made all things, the God who sustains all things, the God who saves, the God who regenerates, the God who sanctifies, the God who rules and reigns. How big is God, folks? Now tell me your problem today. Well, well God, you don't understand. I've got to take care of this circumstance in my life. To which God says, "No, no son or daughter. You don't understand. I already have. All you need to do is trust me. But, but, but dad, it's going to go really, really bad. You're, you're right. We're going to edit out Romans 8. That's not true. You're, you're absolutely correct. And man, man you, thank you, son, for pointing that out. Cause I have just screwed up everything. No, I haven't. Trust me. But it's scary, dad. Trust me, son. Trust me, daughter. Remember who I am. Remember, I, I am comfort, comfort all oh my people. I am the God who who rules and reigns over everything perfectly. I love you more than you can ever comprehend. I chose you before the foundation of the earth. In fact, my glory is tied to your joy and provision. Do you really think, son or daughter, that I'm going to let you down? This is not buttering God up. This is waking ourselves up. Your kingdom come. Why? Because we're spending our whole lives trying to build our kingdom. You go off to college to figure a way to make a name for yourself amen Mm, careful you want to know how to how to build the equity to expand your kingdom ideally you got a multi-generational kingdom on your hand where you can hand it down listen give it to me and adopt me and i'm good with that but bear with me here We're, we're trying to figure out how to how to leave a legacy but the legacy is his now i'm not saying don't save money you're a blind fool if you don't god calls us to rightly steward money and save money God calls us to, to live honorable lives, that, that quiet, honorable lives. You don't want to, to make a fool of yourself here. But the driver is not about building your kingdom. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. If God wants to, to, to allow you to be used in a massive or a minuscule way, that's okay. Because it's not about you, it's about him and the joy that you have in him. Father, hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread see the see the double daily you thought jeopardy invented the daily double right it was god it's a double daily give us each day our daily bread doesn't that sound like something in proverbs little proverbs 30 verse 8 and 9 you guys know what that says Might as well flip over there and make sure I'm quoting you right. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8, says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. What that means, give us each day our daily bread. I went to uh, the grocery last week with Laura. I rarely go to the grocery for a variety of reasons. It's not safe for the people at Wegmans. It's not safe for me or anybody around me. It's bad news. I go when when Laura has children, I'll go for a few weeks. I buy all the wrong stuff, spend way too much money. If I go with the kids, They get me buying all the stuff because I get flustered. Can we get seven gallons of chocolate milk, 17 pounds of pop tarts and okay. But anyway, there were empty shelves of hand soap and toilet paper. Y'all not been washing or wiping recently? Like what what happened? All of a sudden people stocked up on this stuff. But what it is 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 this fear that somehow we're going to get the runs for like six weeks. I don't know what it is. But it, it's stocking up for security. Now, now, don't misunderstand. Maybe you should stock up on some stuff. I don't know. I'm not trying. You know, I don't want you running out of toilet paper and hand soap especially. But the security doesn't come in the stockpile. The security comes in God. And the danger is with the stockpile, we sit back with these full silos, if you will. huh? We might get to something like this down the road. And we say, now I'm good. Now I'm secure. Now I'm safe. Now I have everything I need. Thanks, God. I'll catch you on the flip side. The opposite side is the person who goes for the toilet paper and they're all sold out. He got no toilet paper. I'm going to die. I'm not going to be able to use the bathroom. What am I going to do? God, don't you love me? Ride the middle ground. I don't apply this to toilet paper. Now you're thinking, Pastor, how many rolls of toilet paper does God say to have in the house? I have enough plus one not the point I'm making. I don't know what point I'm making. Let's just get back to the text. I know what I'm trying to say here. Our goal when we pray, give us each day our daily bread, is be our pantry full to the brim, or be our pantry just about out like a little lady with a son and a a prophet came to her house to recognize that God feeds his children. Think about that. God feeds his children. Somebody's thinking. Pastor, you saying a, a saved person can't starve to death? I don't know what you think. Sure, a saved person can starve to death, but, but not outside of God's care. Doesn't Jesus says, doesn't Jesus says? Didn't Jesus say, look, look, look at the, the birds. They're flopping around, doing just fine. They're struggling to find somewhere to lay their heads or eat. Look look at the flowers in the field. They didn't worry about how to dress themselves. How about you? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. There's a place for planning. There's a place for saving. There's a place for preparing. And God has laid those all out in his word. But what he's saying, what he's calling us to as we pray here is humble dependence upon God. Now, if you listen, try this out. You just pray. You start praying now. Father, I'm just going to depend on you for provision for me till the end of life financially. I'm not going to save a nickel. I'm just going to pray for you to provide all of my needs. You're going to be a burden on the rest of us. Why? Because you're not rightly stewarding what God calls you to. There's activity involved in prayer. This, this is prayer, I, I think, is often seen as a passive sit back. I'm doing pretty good with how I pray. I just sit here and, and basically God's like my, my little butler. So God, my neighbor, he needs to be saved. My, my spouse, they need some fixing. My car's breaking. You're going to need to hold that together until you send that check that I keep asking you for. Um, what else do I need from you, God? I hear my back is aching. And you help out some people in church by just making them more pleasing to me amen. Prayer is a call to battle. It's a reminder of truth. It's a reminder of who God is. Who is God? What's the first word here? Father. What are we to live in light of the reality of who God is and who we are before him? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Our job in life is to joyfully proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light to invite lost and perishing people to turn and be saved and to pray that the Lord would continue to sanctify us as we live in fellowship with one another, sanctified by his word, which is true. So he's conforming us to the image of Christ for his glory. We pray and we await for the return of Christ, calling people to be prepared for the return of Christ. And as we get ourselves calibrated there, then we pivot to the give me section. See that give me? So you're not looking at your Bible because it doesn't say give me. What does it say? Give us. You mean life is more about things than just you? Give us. Who's the us? Who are the people that could pray this prayer? The children of God. How often do we pray for the children of God as as opposed to the child of God who is most important in my eyes? You see that awkward little pivot that goes on there? Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now I'm not going to finish it today because I don't want to miss what's going on in these last two and they are marvelous, but here's what I'll give you. Last week I asked, what is prayer? Remember that question? What is prayer? What is prayer? And if you stop and think about it, it's hard to answer, I think, because we're not quite sure. We know prayer is talking to God, but we get so focused on the how prayer works that we miss the purpose of prayer. Now we have a a running joke in my house, our dogs talk. Uh, Patty knows this, Patty's experienced this firsthand and we have a real good time with this because i make the dogs talk and it makes people crazy at some point in time the dogs will respond to situations they'll tell you what's on their mind they'll tell you how they're feeling about someone in fact one day young charlie got in great trouble because he he was sent to his room and, and our dog lady made a sassy comment to him as he left the room and he turned around he yelled at that dog shut up it was horrible because it was all my fault but he was yelling at a dog who was talking anyway pray for me <laughs> why am i telling you this story there's a reason this is what's amazing there's actually a reason dogs don't talk and you can make all sorts of assumptions about dogs. oh my dog loves me so much Oh, I'm the favorite of the dog. My dog loves living. But, but what if dogs could talk? What if Dan got home and, and Ace looked him dead in the eye and says, I'm not so fond of you, Mr. Hoover. All of a sudden, that would change the relationship. And then poor Kim, who, who she thinks his dog loves her, he's like, and you, you think I love you? I just got to go out a lot. Changes the dynamic of the relationship if a dog could talk, amen? Prayer. What does this have to do with prayer? Prayer isn't about how to get God to do what you want. Prayer is about the fact that we commune with a God who speaks by speaking to God. But speaking to God in his language, if you will, his word, in a manner that's pleasing to him, so we enjoy our identity in God. The Lord's Prayer is not a gimmicky shtick to get what you want out of God. And I'm afraid that so often we do that. You start your prayer with God or Father, you end it with abracadabra, I mean in Jesus' name, you butter God up at the beginning and you tell him what you want at the end, amen? No! Too often we forget who God is, who we are in Christ, and what the gospel is. This prayer is the gospel is what it is. And as we live in light of the gospel, the way we commune and speak with God is different. Who would say to their father, give me a pop-tot so I don't die today? We don't have to pray to God that way because he's promised to provide for us. But if we get to a point where there's a famine in the land, we can cry out to the God who could bring rain anytime he likes. Father, if you would so delight, we pray that you would bring rain, but it is not in the rain that we trust. It is in the one who brings the rain. You, Lord God, do you see what's going on here? We forget how sin affects our lives in so many ways. If we slow down and think about why we pray what we pray, it's usually not about us, it's about I. It's usually not about God's will being done, but telling God what our will is that we'd like him to get done. And we mix in a bunch of platitudes and biblical terminology and we make a mess of it. And this is how we've all learned to pray. And how gracious that Jesus instructs the disciples and us this way. How should we pray? Well, you should start by remembering who the source of all things is? Who gave you life? Not only physical life, but eternal life. Who gave you this life? Father. What is a father like biblically? What is God like? Why does He call Himself Father? Is He like your earthly dad? No. There may be portions, the good stuff, maybe pointing a little bit to what God is like. But what does it mean that God is a father? Oh my. Chew on that. And as you remember who this all powerful, all knowing, all present father of yours is, remind, be reminded of how he became your father. We, we were enemies of God, we were children of the devil, but God saved us. How did he save us? By coming taking on the form of a man, living a perfect life we couldn't, dying the death we deserve, humbling himself to the point of death on a cross. What kind of love is this? That's the love God has for you. Father, hallowed be your name. Not not to butter God up, but to clean your eyes up. Because we distort who God is day by day. God, to me, permeates our lives. You know who God, to me, is? Well, to me, God is a God of love. To me, God is kind. To me, God wouldn't do that. To me, take the to me out. Who is God? He tells us who He is. And as we're reminded of that, we see what our daddy is like. Your daddy's big and strong and ferocious. He's gentle and merciful and kind. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He controls every molecule in creation. And that's your daddy. Father. Remind us who you are and who we are. Remind us of what the purpose of life is. Do you know the purpose of life? Maybe you've read a catechism and you say the chief end of man is to to what? She's halfway. I'll let you look that one up. I'm going to give you the homework. Boil it down this way. Know and enjoy God. How do you enjoy God? Trust him. You obey him. Our job is to make much of God's name and see God provide for us and care for us and conform us to his image. How do we do that? By humbling ourselves before him and joyfully recognizing a life of humble dependence where God always comes through. Case in point. Let's say that that you were a general and you were going to plan an attack on an incredibly powerful country, Alright, so, so flip the script and maybe you're like the, the, the president of a, a tiny little island nation in the South Pacific and you're going to attack the United States of America, the, the dominant military superpower. How do you do it? Now imagine that, that someone comes up to you and says, well, God gave me a plan. He said, get a marching band and I want you to, to just keep circling the country in aircraft And playing music and on the very last day I want you to to shout as loud as you can and then march on in and conquer the country that just sounds stupid doesn't it now go ahead and read Jericho how did this ragtag group of Israelites come in and take over Jericho on their way to the promised land how'd that work you know the story about Goliath who's gonna take him down How how about a little shepherd boy throwing a rock at a mighty warrior imagine you're in a boat and Jesus says come on out of the boat walk to me and you say but dude you're in the water how's that gonna happen imagine that you're being pursued by the the, the military forces of the most powerful nation in the world and you come to an ocean what are you gonna do hmm. make it worse what if God brought you to the shores of that ocean and said I got this you don't expect what's coming next Imagine you find yourself as an enemy of God, spiritually dead, hopeless and helpless with nothing you can do. You're going to face eternity under God's condemnation. What are you going to do? You're going to see God send Christ. So when it says, give us this day, give us each day our daily bread, do you know the joy that we have in humble dependence on God? Do you watch the news the last couple weeks? You're all going to die. Do you know that? You're going to die of a coronavirus, which is a mild respiratory infection, but still you're going to die because Ebola didn't get you. SARS didn't get you, MERS didn't get you, swine flu didn't get you, bird flu didn't get you, and the tsunami didn't get you. And I don't mean to make light of it, but you're all going to die. And then antichrist is going to take over the government. And then the stock market is going to crash. You're going to be in poverty. And then there's somehow going to be a blizzard that comes in and cripples us all and then the earth is going to give way to these sinkholes that shows up in the news and then the sharks are going to come back and attack remember the sharks it's right before september 11th the sharks were attacking everybody in the ocean the news is you're gonna die it is it is kernels of, of truth made into clickbait, sensationalized to induce fear can i tell you what this prayer tells us it's god saying you're all gonna die but hang on a minute because I killed death and because I killed death if you've turned to me you will rise and though you may die then you will live there's no shark in the ocean that ever attacked anybody says God unless I caused or allowed it hang on a minute because now you're thinking well God why would you cause a shark now hang on a minute no tsunami has ever come through an ocean without God causing or allowing it. Now you're uncomfortable because 175,000 people died in a tsunami not too long ago, right? And that's uncomfortable. And then there's sickness all along. And here's the sad thing with this coronavirus. that hit a nursing home in Washington and 11 people died. That's sad. Well, why would God allow that? That's uncomfortable. Now slow down for a minute, he says, and start back here with Father. What am I right? Like? Who am I? Is where your mind going based on truth? Am I cruel and harsh and neglectful and don't care about people, says God? Or do I delight in the fact, uh, do I delight, do I not delight in perishing of the wicked, but hope that none would be lost and all should be saved? Is that not God's desire? Not decree, but desire. And so as the world makes noise and circumstances show up, from our fallen perspective, we get so messed up. And here's what Jesus is saying in this prayer. Communion with God based on the reality of who God is and who you are. So it's okay to turn the news off and open up your Bible. We will die unless Christ comes first. But I have good news for you. Christ killed death. You might get sick, but if you get sick, do you know what? God's in perfect control and he either caused or allowed it for your good and his glory if you're saved. Stock market might totally crash. You might lose your 401k in totality. Your investments might go down to one-tenth of what they were. Now, Patty's starting to sweat up here thinking about client phone calls, right? But here's the thing. We can pray either way to God to give us each day our daily bread. And he will. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we trust in what? the name of our God. What is his name? All through Scripture, but perhaps the most precious name we have that he reveals to us is this one, Father. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Now in fairness Matthew does add in, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why does he add that in? I don't know. It's the same framework Jesus is teaching. Matthew is recording the events in a totally different context Sermon on the Mount, different audience, different place. Same prayer. So you can put it in, you can pray it either way, but the point of the framework isn't to regurgitate the words of the framework, it's to marvel at the truths behind it. Let's pray. Abba, Father. (laughs) Lord, that's just not right that we call you Father. But it is right because you tell us to. Lord, how many millions of lambs were slaughtered so that people could enter into your presence at a distance? Oh, I wonder what the high priests of old would have thought back then if we cried out, father Hmm. lord there was that thick curtain that veil lord moses was hid in the cleft of a rock but lord you through christ call us to yourself and you call us your children and tell us to call you father Lord, may we see what that means through your word and not through the circumstances of our life. For some of us had wonderful earthly fathers and some not so wonderful, and most a mixture in between. For some, our experience with a father was one of abandonment. For others, it was one of, of comfort, but maybe too comfortable, too casual even. Lord God, help us through your word to understand the joy and the comfort and the protection and the intimacy with which we have with you in Christ as our Father. Lord, may we hollow your name, and may we first and foremost do that by knowing your names through Scripture. May we rejoice in the truth of who you are as you've revealed to us in your name. And may we live lives based on the truth of your name. Lord, We confess that our lives are a bit too consumed with our own kingdom. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be about your kingdom, about proclaiming your name, about making much of you. Lord, we pray for opportunities to preach the gospel to others. We pray for preparedness and boldness in your power. We pray for the willingness to work in the lives of others, but even more so have them work in our lives uniquely in the context of a local church so that you can mature us, sanctify us by your word, which is truth. And I pray, Lord, that we would be attentive to the fact that you, Lord Jesus, will return and that we would be prepared for your arrival, being about your business joyfully, Not fearfully, burying your talent in the ground because we think of you as a harsh taskmaster, but reverently because we know who you are. You are God. Father, give us each day our daily bread. And we cry that out not as Oliver Twist coming for more porridge because he was still hungry, but as children of the Most High God, asking you to help us to have the joy of daily dependence upon you. Holy Spirit, convict us of those areas where we have allowed idols in our lives through which we seek to find provision and comfort and joy and meaning, and to root those out and restore you to your rightful place in our heart. Lord, in reality, where we live, we got bread for today and tomorrow. We got bread in the freezer for the next month. And Lord, if that is the case, I pray that we would praise you for that provision, for each loaf is from you. And I pray that as we eat that bread, as we breathe the air around us, as we lay our heads down under a roof of shelter, that we would never find our security in those things, but rather in the one who entrusts to us those things, you, our Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus Thank you for your graciousness in responding to this disciple who asked you to teach us how to pray. Lord, thank you by your spirit that your word was recorded for us for all time. And most of all, God, thank you that you have made a way for us to begin each and every prayer of ours with the word, Father. Father. Father, Lord God, help us to rest in the truth of who you are and who we are in you. Help us to rejoice in the security we have as people you have chosen to unite to yourself by making us one with Christ. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.